There's a lot of different things that when people think of the Holy Spirit, and um, today's message is kind of an intro. It might be an intro for some of you. It might be like really simplistic for um, some of you. But the truth of the matter is, is, is that we need the simplistic because we need to be able to explain it to other people, right? So when the, the word Holy Spirit comes up, what is your initial reaction? When you heard that we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit at church, what were you thinking? Because the Holy Spirit has a different reaction to depending on how you grew up, where, where you went to church, all these diff- different things. Maybe the things that you've seen on TV about the Ho- Holy Spirit and churches that talk about the, are moving in the gifts of the Spirit. What's your initial reaction. See, for a lot of people, the Holy Spirit is like the fourth beetle. We all know the three beetles, right? We know, we know John, we know Paul, we know Ringo. But who was the fourth one? George. Most people, though, who's George? Who's George Harrison? I never heard of him in my life. And that's how people are with the Holy Spirit. They, most people in church, and I'm talking about church people, let alone people that don't go to church. Church people, when you say the word Holy Spirit, it's almost like they can tell you, they can tell you, yeah, I can tell you some attributes and things about God the Father. Yeah. And I can tell you some things about Jesus, you know, the things that he done and he died for my sins and all of this. But when it comes to, tell me something about the Holy Spirit, it's like, uh Who's the Holy Spirit? And, and Paul ran into the same thing in his day. In Acts 19, verses 1 and 2, it says, And it happened while Apollos was in Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, some disciples of Jesus, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And this is where a lot of Christians are. We don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit. Yeah, we, we, we recite this saying, and it says Holy Spirit in it, but you know, it really isn't relevant in my life. Holy Spirit really has no relevance in my life. I do not... Think about the Holy Spirit throughout my day, throughout the week, let alone throughout the year. I probably never heard a sermon about the Holy Spirit. And he's like the fourth beetle. I don't even, we're like this guy. We haven't even heard if there is a Holy Spirit, let alone experienced the Holy Spirit. And then there's a, this problem. Mufasa. You're probably thinking, what Greek word is that? No. I'm talking about Lion King. Lion King. Remember Mufasa in Lion King? I was going to get the video of it and do all that, but... The, uh, they had the enemy. The enemy was who? The enemy was the uh, hyenas, right? And there's this certain episode in the film where the hyenas are in this place, and they just got beat up by Mufasa, and someone says the word Mufasa. And the, and the, and the, the hyena goes, ooh, that just, that just makes me shiver. And then, do it again, do it again. Mufasa. Come on, everybody, shiver. Mufasa, ooh. Right? 
man, you guys aren't no fun. But that's how other people, this is the other problem that people have about the Holy Spirit. You mention the Holy Spirit, it's like saying Mufasa to these, coyote, these hyenas. Oh, you don't want to mess with that. You don't want to mess with the Holy Spirit. I hear that's, he's weird. He's scary. Right? I mean, it wouldn't be so funny if it was, wasn't so true. So many people are afraid to even talk about the Holy Spirit. But it's the number one thing. It's the number one thing of our new creation reality is to experience, have fellowship, the Holy Spirit in our life. For a lot of people, if you ask them, what is the number one command that Jesus gave before he went to heaven? They'd say, the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's the Great Commission, the main command that Jesus gave before he went to heaven. And you would be absolutely wrong. The number one command that Jesus gave the disciples before he left for heaven is to tarry. Tarry and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. That's the number one thing that Jesus told the disciples. Tarry and wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you in power. For surely John had baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with fire and power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And this idea that the Holy Spirit's spooky, you're right. It's God. God is spooky because he's not natural. Our little carnal peanut brain can't understand it. And if you're trying to understand it, you're not in faith in the first place. There are things that happen that are spooky. Think about Moses. And we have a greater covenant. His glory was nothing compared to the glory that's upon us. That's what the Bible says, right? But he used to, he, he could put his hand in his garment and pull it out and have it be leprosy. Put it back in and be clean. He, it's in the Bible. Go read it. He used to be able to throw down his staff and it would become a serpent. And he'd be able to pick it up by the tail and become a staff again. That's spooky. That's weird. Because our carnal mind can't grasp it. We can't understand it. So what's your reaction? And it really doesn't matter what your reaction is today. It's, it's, it's the choice to say, you know what, I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out what the Word of God actually has to say about the Holy Spirit. I want to find out exactly how this applies to my life and how God wants to bless me through the Holy Spirit. I want to be used by the Holy Spirit. I want to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. What's your reaction? See, here's the thing. Here's a little brief history on me. There's, there's people in this church right here that have experienced more moves of the Holy Spirit than I have. Because of their background. They went to churches. Daryl, Tom, Dale, he's down teaching the kids. Right, Tim, you probably have experienced more of the miraculous moves, the spooky stuff, than I have. I was raised Methodist. And even though, and we're going to talk about this stuff, even though the Methodist church started out in the mighty moves of the Holy Spirit, 
When, by the time I got there, I didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. Nothing wrong. Not, not, I'm not condemning those people. I wouldn't be who I am today if it wasn't for them. They loved me. They loved God. Right? And everything that I know about the Holy Spirit, everything I know about God was because of the Holy Spirit. Of the Holy Spirit leading me, guiding me, pulling me. Pulling me. All the books I've ever read, all the sermons I ever listened to, was because I desired to know more about God. Because I desired, and when I say I, I don't mean, the Holy Spirit was putting that desire in me, and all I was, was, was willing, was willing to seek more. Because I don't know about you, but I read the book of Acts there. I read the book of Acts, and I said, the church doesn't look like the book of Acts. The church doesn't look like this. I don't look like that. When you read things about a man falling three stories to his death, and, and Paul coming out and praying for the young man, leaving the young man there and going up and finishing his message, and then it says that they brought the boy to him completely well. I don't remember. I've never seen that before in church. When they talked about that they used to drag sick people out in the streets so that when Peter walked by them, that if just his shadow fell upon them, they'd be made well. I didn't see that in church. I didn't see those things. And I wanted to, because I didn't want a dead God. I want a God that's alive and relevant today. A God of wonders that we read in the Old Testament, this God of wonders, miraculous signs. I wanted to see those things manifest in my life. And so my reaction was to seek. My reaction was to seek after the Holy Spirit, to understand the Holy Spirit more. And I'm telling you, I am not there yet. Now, on the other hand, is there a lot of stuff that is flesh and not of God and and people blame it on the Holy Spirit? Yes, we're going to be talking about all of that stuff. First of all, right away, if anybody says, I can't control myself, the Holy Spirit's making me do this, it's of the flesh, it's carnal. It might be another spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. The gifts are subject to the prophet, subject to you. You're in union with the Holy Spirit. Union with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, well, I guess wives can make their husbands do things, but Holy Spirit is not that way. He doesn't make you do anything. Amen? So first things first. Who is the Holy Spirit? I'm telling you, this is going to be real fun, foundational. But first things first. Who is the Holy Spirit? The usual term used to describe the Spirit of God in Scripture is Holy Spirit. Some other terms are Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, and Spirit of Christ. There's Spirit of Wisdom. There's the Spirit of Peace. All these things are different names of God's Spirit, the Spirit of God, right? But as you look through Scripture, it is clear and an undeniable teaching of Scripture that the Holy Spirit is a divine person. 
See, we think that, a lot of people think that the Holy Spirit is just the power of God. Or the Holy Spirit is just the ability of God. No, the Holy Spirit is God. So when you deny the Holy Spirit, when the church doesn't talk about the Holy Spirit, you're not talking about who? God. You're not talking about God. Here are a few attributes that scriptures give the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has intelligence and knowledge. In 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 13, but God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. So how is God revealing to us? Through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. If you want to know deep things of God, you have to have what? Fellowship with who? Holy Spirit. For what man knows the things of God except the Spirit of the man which is in him? What man knows the things of man except the Spirit of man which is in him? So what is he talking about there? He's talking about your spirit. Your spirit knows you perfectly, right? And then he goes on to say, even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. So who knows the things of God? God's Spirit. And if you're born again, what, are, what do you have in you? You have God's Spirit in your spirit, baptized, engrafted into one another. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. So whose Spirit do you have? Holy Spirit within you. And He's revealing all things, the deep things of God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Not worked for by the sweat of our brow, but freely given. These things we also speak, not in words which man, with man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So if you're trying to understand this whole thing with your wisdom of man, through your carnal brain, forget about it. The Holy Spirit has been given to you to teach you the things of God, the deep things of God. And if we neglect the Holy Spirit, if we don't fellowship with the Holy Spirit, if we don't have conversation with the Holy Spirit, don't complain that you don't know how, can't understand this. Do, do this. Open up your Bible and say a little prayer. Holy Spirit, I heard in church Sunday that you shall show me the deep things of God. I trust you this morning. I trust you this night or whenever in the afternoon that you're going to show me deep things of God. Just read your Bible and fellowship with God. See, religion, religion makes us separate from God. Religion always pulls us away from God. But as you, as you understand the gospel, it's all about God pulling you, pulling you into himself. Religion is all about I read my Bible so I can get into the presence of God. Relationship says I am in the presence of God. So I read my Bible. So I can know the deep things of God. I can know what God has to, has to say about me and this world and who I am and I find my purpose in that. The Holy Spirit speaks and guides us. You want some guidance? You, you're going through some hard times? You got decisions you need to make? The Holy Spirit will guide you and give you God's wisdom to make decisions that will lead to your success. Acts 16, 6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia, yeah, Phrygia, I don't know, and in the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the, the word in Asia. So what the Holy Spirit did, 
was it guided them not to go to a certain place. How many accidents, how many things, how many bad decisions in life could we avoid if we simply listen to the Holy Spirit? Don't go there. Don't do this. Don't buy that. Wait. Rest. How many different things? This is a gift that God has given us. The Holy Spirit has humbled himself to the point where he's willing to live within us. What an awesome thing. Romans 8.14, For as many are, as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. God desires to lead you. God desires to, to you to be manifest in this world that you're a peculiar person. You're different. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. By being led by the Holy Spirit. See, when we're not led by the Holy Spirit, we're led by the spirit of the world. We're led by our own carnal thoughts and imaginations and things of that nature. And we look no different than anybody else. That's why most churches don't look any different than anybody else. Because they're not being led by the Spirit of God. We as a church corporately, as leadership, we need to be led by the Spirit of God. We need to be different, peculiar. Revelations 2.7 He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So the, cheer, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is proclaiming, he's speaking to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of paradise of God. The Holy Spirit is proclaiming to the churches. This is in the book of Revelations. This is a, a particular thing that is being written down, but the Holy Spirit is constantly speaking, constantly communicating, constantly desiring relationship with you. Again, the, the Holy Spirit's main purpose is to have intimate relationship with each one of you individually and us corporately, the church corporately. Commands and appoints. The Holy Spirit makes commands in our life, and he appoints certain things. Acts 8, 29 then the Spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake that chariot. Have you ever had that happen in your life? The Spirit of God just, something. it can be audible, but most of the time the Spirit of God is just a still small voice into you. What did we just read? See, a lot of people don't understand, how can I know if it's God speaking to me or if it's just my, my own self? Well, the thing of it is, is the more closer you get to God, the more it doesn't matter whether it's yourself or God because you're becoming one. But we just read that the spirit of, the spirit of man knows the man and the spirit of God knows the, spirit, the things of God, right? And he says God has given us his spirit. So when the spirit of God speaks to your spirit, your spirit is speaking to your soul, your mind, your mind. You understand that? So when you hear God speak to you, a lot of time it's going to be like you're speaking to yourself. This thought, you ever say this? This thought just occurred to me. This thing just came to me. I feel like I'm supposed to do this. You're right, because you're one spirit with him. That's God speaking to you. There's a lot of people that, <laughs> that God is speaking to them all the time, and they're just not giving the credit to it, to God. And so how can you know if it's God? And how can you know if it's 
or if it's just your flesh. Easy. Does it line up with Scripture? Does your flesh want to do it? Most of, most of, the, time, most of the time when God wants you to do something, your flesh doesn't want to do it. God says, forgive that person. Go say you're sorry. I don't want to do that. That can't be, that can't be God. Get behind me, Satan. But most of the time, we don't want to do the things that the Spirit of God's telling us to do. Our, in, our spirit man inside of us wants to, and as we renew our minds to the things of God, we'll be more prompt to, to love, to forgive, to, to bless, to pray, to do those things. So the Holy Spirit's speaking to you all the time. All the time. And you're saying, if you're sitting here right now saying that, well, I never, God never speaks to me, you're lying. You're just not understanding that it's God speaking to you. If you ever, and I know every single one of you has said this, something just told me to do this. Something just said to do this. I just had this, that I wasn't supposed to go to this party, or I wasn't supposed to quit my job and go to this job, or I just felt like I was supposed to distance myself from this particular person, or I was supposed to call this person. Something, God, I don't know why I'm calling you, but God just put you on my heart, and I'm calling you. Is there anything you need? And the person says, I need, just opens up and says, my life's falling apart, or whatever it is. We've all experienced these things. That is the Spirit of God. Acts 13, 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate me to me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work which I have called them. The Holy Spirit is the one that appoints people into ministry. It's not, it's not a title that a man has given you. It's not because you went to a school that, or or you have a diploma, or whatever. You can have all those things, but if the Holy Spirit hasn't appointed you, you'll be a miserable failure, a wreck. The Holy Spirit appoints men. And if the Holy Spirit has appointed you. Acts 13.4, And so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Sosia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. So where did they go? They went where the Holy Spirit led them. Sent out by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sends. Acts 20, 28. Therefore, take heed to yourself and to, the, to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. This is Paul right into to these pastors in Ephesus. And he's, he's saying that the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer. And he says, take heed to yourself. And to all the flock among you, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. What a responsibility. It, <laughs> Thank God we have the Holy Spirit, huh? Another attribute of the Holy Spirit is he has feelings and can be grieved. In Ephesians Chapter 4, verse 30, it says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Do you grieve the Holy Spirit? How many times do I grieve the Holy Spirit every day? Holy Spirit can be grieved. Another thing is, he can be lied to. He can be resisted. He can be quenched. He can be blasphemed. He can be lied to. 
But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? We can lie to the Holy Spirit. What's funny is the Holy Spirit knows all things. And we think we can lie to God, but we can't. People lie to the Holy Spirit. Acts 7.51, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. This was Stephen. Stephen, just before he was stoned to death, a man that was filled with the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, with signs and wonders. And he said to to the religious leaders of the day that they were stiff-necked, uncircumcised in the hearts and the ears, and they resisted the Holy Spirit. Do we resist the Holy Spirit? Does does this church resist what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives? Do we as individuals resist the Holy Spirit in our lives? First Thessalonians 5.19, do not quench the Spirit. Again, we have to be a church that doesn't quench the Spirit of God because when you quench the Spirit of God, who are you quenching? You're quenching God. See, we don't think the Spirit of God is God, but we're gonna, He is God. And when you quench, when the Spirit quenches what the Holy Spirit wants to do in its, in its midst, when you quench the Holy Spirit in your life, when there's that drawing to say, come away with me, spend some time with me, turn the radio off, do this, do that, what are you, how much reality TV can you watch? Come away with me, my love. No. I don't have time for you today. Do we quench the Holy Spirit in our own lives? Matthew 12, 31, Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven of men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven of men. And this understanding, this unpartable sin that he's talking about here is, not, is, is about what the Holy Spirit was sent to do. The Holy Spirit, Spirit was sent to reveal Jesus to us. That's the first thing he does is he reveals Jesus, your need for a Savior, your need for Jesus in your life. And if you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, if you, if you say deny the Holy Spirit on that front, when you, when you continue to quench and resist the Spirit of God saying you need a Savior and Jesus is that Savior, and you do that over and over and over again, it's the unpardonable sin because there is no sacrifice for sin any longer. Because Jesus is the only payment, the only salvation of the world. So the more you resist the Holy Spirit, blaspheme the Holy Spirit, say no, it's not true. There is no salvation for you. And once the Holy Spirit reveals to you and you embrace Jesus and you become born again, do you know what the Holy Spirit then starts doing? Tell me everything I do wrong. Absolutely not. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. He starts revealing to you who you are in Christ. He starts revealing to you your new nature. He starts leading and guiding you into the truth of Jesus. He always is pointing to Jesus. Holy Spirit is always pointing to Jesus. Scripture gives these divine attributes of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to end right there.
I figured with all the other stuff I had going on today that we wouldn't get through this. But understand that the greatest thing that Jesus Christ accomplished was not the forgiveness of sins. Our sins are forgiven, but was to make us children of God, to give us his spirit, to make us the temple of the Holy Spirit, that we could be different people. We could be, his glory could be manifest in our lives. And each one of you, God has called out. Each one of you has a plan and purpose for your life. And as we start walking in this, the Holy Spirit, start fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, yes, I'm saying it. Talk to yourself. You know, they already think you're nuts anyway because you're walking around with the Bluetooth talking to yourself. You might as well be talking to yourself in the Spirit. Spirit to spirit, talking to one another. Getting intimacy. How do I do that, Chad? I don't know how to do that. Well, it's just like, it's a person. Maybe you should start out saying, hi, my name's Chad. I'd like to know you better. Because God is real. God is real. And he's closer than you know. Amen? Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved, highly favored, and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.